the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good morning, my dear friends, to all our dear audience on KNUS 710 AM or via podcast. I welcome all of you. This morning, we shall interact first by waking up, praising God. If you're sad, allow God to put a joy, a smile on your face. If you're married, give a good and warm greeting to your wife or to your husband. Give a good warm morning hug or welcome to your children and to all those who live with you. And do me a favor. It's okay to turn on your radio at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday morning and contact friend so they can join in as well. Next, of course, let us warm up the day by being nice to each other and by being nice to the Lord. This is Father Andre and good Holy Sunday morning with God. Good Holy Sunday morning, my dear brothers and sisters. Uh, How good is the God of Israel to the pure of heart? You know, we call God most ancient of all mysteries, most ancient of all mysteries. And um, there is a lot of wisdom in this. It means God has seen life because he's the author of life. God knows us and knows everything about life. And all of the creation lies before his throne. And that's why God is known to be the ancient of all mysteries. And this is why we say as well, um, how wonderful is creation. Because we know that at the very end, God will make everything works for the benefit of life, for the benefit of creation, and uh, for the benefit of salvation at the same time so remember creation life and salvation this is what we are ought to pray about and to aim towards everybody needs to realize we are created so how good god is to israel his people in psalm 73 we pray to those who are pure of heart Yet my feet came close to stumbling. My steps had almost slipped, for I was filled with envy of the proud when I saw how the wicked prosper. And this is, unfortunately, the problem of salvation. The good people suffer. Confusion happens. We call natural disasters. We see them. They happen. People curse people. Wars happen, famine, plagues, captivity, rumors happen, death happen, violence happen, volcanoes erupt in the world. Now we have a space issues as well. You know, flares and the sun even happen. So this creation is always in need of salvation. But how can you save something and how can you recognize there is a creation unless we are alive? And this is the beauty of us as a human beings. We are the entity to whom God gave to the utmost highest level in our intellect, in our senses, 
in our souls, in our bodies, in our spirits, and in the science around us to connect to our environment, recognize creation, know that we are alive, and aim to make a creation every day a better place. Well, the job of the Catholic Church is in line of creation, life, and salvation. Almost we say Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, creation, God the Father, our salvation has been given to us in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, we are living because the Lord breathed in us his Holy Spirit. With this, let us pray together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O oh God, come to my assistance. O oh Lord, make haste to help me. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. God, you firmly established us and the entire creation in Christ. Your anointed one, he in return has anointed us, and he has sealed us, and he has pledged to us to send us his Holy Spirit to dwell in our hearts. Send your Holy Spirit, O God, so they shall be created and renew the face of the earth. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be world without end. Amen. Good Sunday morning to you, my friends. Uh, today we have with us on the phone Miss um, Marie-Lise Pinheiro. Marie-Lise, good Sunday morning to you. Hi. Hi, Father. Hi, everybody. And I want to thank you so much for being with us for the second time. To remind our uh, uh, beautiful listeners, Marie-Lise is a legislative and diplomatic relations liaison um, for a wonderful, wonderful uh, group, a non-for-profit, uh, the project for the vulnerable people, basically. And uh, she did eight years of formation and experiences she had as a sister in one of the Catholic religious orders. And uh, during her work in the Catholic Church as a religious sister, she actually worked in the Apostolic Nunciatura. Um, and uh, the uh, Apostolic Nunciatura is the place in Washington, D.C., where the ambassador of the Vatican lives, and at her time, the ambassador of the Vatican to the United States of America was uh, the famous and well-renowned name that we hear all about in the news lately in the last few years, uh, uh, Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano. And after that, she moved to the Vatican, and there she was appointed, and Pope Francis was a pope in his first year, I believe, in 2013, and uh, there she actually worked as one of the nuns who helped with Pope Francis and his secretary team, and she traveled with him. So this is a very unique guest with us this Sunday morning on uh, uh, 7.10 a.m. KNUS, and um, we are very privileged to have you with us, Mary Lise. The first question to you is, um, is the Catholic Church still, the way we know it today, faithful to how you knew it? before you enter to the religious life? Well, I, that's a pretty heavy question, Father. First of all, I was at the Nuncia Tour nine, uh, in 2015, so it was actually a couple of years after Pope Francis became Pope. But, um, you know, prior to religious life, I really had no idea the goings and happenings of what took place at the Vatican or at the Vatican. I, mean, see, I didn't even know what 
the apostolic nunciatura was, nor did I ever expect to be sent there. So it was, I went in with no expectations or knowledge at all. Um, and I learned so much about the church and so much about, the, you know, the clergy and, and bishops and the Holy Father. And um, I think I left that assignment with a much deeper love and respect for the Bride of Christ in the church, that she herself is perfect, but she is filled with many broken and wounded people. Marie-Lise, um, uh, you work in diplomatic liaisons and relations and legislative relations as well. So I know you want to yeah. also be in edu educative when you speak to the people. I could, I could tell that. I hope you can, um, in an open heart and somehow, uh, confirm in the hearts of the people. Um, is the Catholic Church today still a powerful good? Is the Catholic Church today? From your own experience, you work in a beautiful big association. We spoke about it the last time on the radio, you and me. Our listeners are a little bit acquainted with your work, uh, with um, you know the project for the vulnerable people through food, refugees working in Afghanistan, in Ukraine with the orphans. Um, do you see the Catholic Church today still is a powerful good? Oh, very much, absolutely. Um, I. I do believe the, the Catholic Church to be very powerful, and, uh, you know, she is the church Jesus left behind for us, um, especially in my work with the vulnerable. The church is so involved, does so much good, so many charitable work, charitable work that we might not even be aware of. Um, the church is very much hands-on and there whether it be through different charities, through the clergy, through just the lay people um, getting involved with my organization in particular, where we ourselves are Catholic, but we've also worked with so many other Catholic nonprofits. Um, and then just with our work in the Vatican as well, you know, we wouldn't have gotten involved um, as much, I think, if it weren't for the promptings of the Holy Spirit through our faith. Thank you for, for such an yeah. assuring, reassuring answer. Um, you know, how do you define in your line of work the relationship between so Catholics and the, 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 the other Christian families of churches? You know, in Ukraine, you have Orthodoxy, you have Catholics as yeah. well, Byzantines um, on both uh, sides, and they are fighting, unfortunately. You know, people may not know that the fight in Ukraine and Russia is actually uh, Orthodox, Orthodox fighting to a large extend Muslim Christian fighting um, uh, Orthodox and Catholic fighting there's a lot of layers to involve religious interfighting in Ukraine any thoughts on that and your experience Marilise yeah I think it makes the heart of God very sad to see us down here his children fighting um, I think it was John Paul II who talked about the Orthodox Church and the Roman Church to be the two two lungs in one body and you need both sides to breathe. And I think that's a beautiful analogy of the necessity of, you know, our Eastern and Orthodox um, Christians out there, and even just the different denominations of Christianity, how we all, if we all came together and, and worked together instead of fighting so much, we would be doing such incredible things um, for the greater honor and glory of God. 
have you have you yourself in your own personal experience in Ukraine have you experienced a collaboration between Russian Orthodox and Ukrainian Orthodox basically my, my, to our listeners this is uh, this is a good Sunday morning with Father Andre with uh, Mary Lise Pinheiro um, she works on uh, the project for the vulnerable people it's a non-for-profit and uh, worked uh, when she was a religious sister under Pope Francis and under Archbishop um, Vigano at the same time. Um, Mary Lise, in your personal experience, did you see any potential or did any collaboration ever happen between the Patriarchate of Moscow and the Patriarchate of Kiev, both of them being Orthodox? Did they talk at all? Uh, not that I saw, no. I have not seen any kind of collaboration between the Russian Orthodox and the Ukrainian right. Well, now we know, um, coming to uh, um, you, and I love those photos that you had with Pope Francis, you and the sisters, um, that was really, it, it told a lot that, that, that he lives in a, in, a, in a very easy, simple life, it seems, with the nuns yes. and um, on daily basis practicing life of prayer. Um, he had a wish, and he insisted, um, it's his big trips, he wanted to go to Russia, to Moscow, he wanted to go to Ukraine, and he seems like he doesn't want to accept the visit to Ukraine unless he is received in Moscow at the same time. Tell us a little bit about Pope Francis. I mean, I think as far as the Holy Father wanting to make a visit to both is, you know, I, I fear prudent on his part, um, because he's going as father, and as father not wanting to necessarily pick sides, but he's been very clear about calling Russia out for the atrocities that are happening in the Ukraine. Um, as far as having met and, and served Pope Francis personally, he's very gentle. He um, is a very tender father. I was surprised with how simple he was um, prior to his visit and, and when we were preparing for his visit, you know, we were kind of briefed on what his preferences were, and he really, he just, the simpler, the better for him. He did not want anything fancy, which, you know, for us who served him, it was great because then it was like, okay, we don't have too much to worry about. Um, even his meals were very simple. His accommodations he keeps very simple. It was actually the same also with Archbishop Vigano. He was also a very simple, humble um, father as well. So it was very, you know, for me as a sister who took the vow of poverty, just um, an example that they set for the residents um, that then we were able to, to live out and follow. You, you accompanied him the first year, one trip or a few trips, it seems. Um, um, how does the Pope design his trips? How does he decide, I want to go now to this country, or to that community? How does, based on what he makes those decisions? Well, when he came to the United States, it was because it was in 2015, September of 2015, and it was because um, the World Meeting for Families was happening in Philadelphia. And so that's why that trip happened. Um, as far as other trips, I think it just depends on whatever is happening in that country. Um, that uh -huh. he would want to make a visit to. So I know he's been wanting to make a visit in Ukraine and Russia since this whole thing happened. I don't know if that will actually ever happen. Um, prior to his U.S. visit, when he came, he stopped by Cuba, which I think 
you know, speaks volumes um, to have the Holy Father visit a communist country. And so he went from Cuba mm-hmm. to the United States, and that was quite a trip. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know the backstory of like how exactly he chooses where he goes. But uh, but it seems he goes to countries where there's some type of healing needed or reconciliation yeah. needed or negotiation needed. There is a poverty. Um, does that make Pope Francis suffer? Um, disinformation, misinformation, because yesterday he sent a tweet, he invited um, all the Catholics to fight against disinformation and misinformation about his work and the work of the Catholic Church. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think as far as, um, you know, I think it's important that we understand the Holy Father hears so much. He has a lot of advisors, a lot of people that he meets with regularly, and so what he puts out or what he knows, you know, um, is influenced by whoever is giving such and such information to him. Um, as far as his Twitter, I can assure you he's not the one tweeting that himself. But, um, yeah, I do think it's, you know, what he said about being fed misinformation or disinformation. It's important for us to know what is the misinformation or false facts that we're constantly being fed by the media or even by these, like, people who claim to be theologians or theological commentators um, that seem to cause a lot of division lately. I think one way for us to fight that is to really know what the teachings of the church are on, on whatever topic that's easily accessible via the catechism, knowing what the magisterium teaches so that if misinformation is being fed to you, you can tell, oh, this isn't what the church actually teaches. You know, um, again, we're trying to get um, to get you to speak from your personal knowledge, um, and I know you use your beautiful professional uh, and ethical mode of speaking um, as a diplomatic liaison and um, uh, legal liaison as well, or legislative liaison, I would say. But um, do you see ground for the controversies in the Catholic Church? Do you see ground for it? Do I see ground for what? Sorry. For the, for the controversies in the Catholic Church. You know, today, because we're going to speak, and I hope we can get you one more time about your experience between Archbishop Vigano and Pope Francis, two huge personalities. Uh, our head and our father for us Catholics is Pope Francis. And then we have Archbishop Vigano, on the other hand, where many, many, many people, uh, many bishops, many clergy, many uh, Christians in general, people in general, we, we see like two agendas almost. We see like two narratives almost. Yeah. What started this controversy uh, in your in your experience? How can you educate us on that? I mean, there's a lot of controversies and scandals. The church has been riddled with controversy and scandal, I think, from the very beginning of her conception. Um, as far as Archbishop Vigano and Pope Francis goes, that already existed before I came to the Nunciatur. So I think it had begun... Long, you know, I don't know when exactly there is a pinpoint time. Um, I know, like, the whole Cardinal McCarrick situation really is when it blew up, and that was when uh, Archbishop Vigano kind of came on the scene with his letters um, calling out the Holy Father. Is that what you mean? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Please, go ahead. So, pardon? 
Yes, go ahead. Explain on that. So the very first controversy was around uh, Cardinal McCarrick. And then that controversy, it seems, became their style of conversation over any issue. I mean, has there been any, any type of agreement between both? Like, the, the, does Archbishop Viga know in your experience? Did he ever agree with Pope Francis on any topic? You know, I I can't say, I don't know the answer to that because I wasn't, like, privy to their private private conversations. Um, I, I as nuncio, he was obedient to the Holy Father and um, remained, I would say, very neutral on many things. It wasn't until after he was no longer nuncio that then, you know, those letters started coming out and it started with Cardinal McCarrick and has now involved evolved into a whole slew of other topics calling out the church the well, holy father um, um, particularly uh, then go you know, ahead i i was going to say he, you know it wasn't until after he was nuncio that he really started to speak out about a the scandal of cardinal mccarrick but then that led to him speaking out about a whole slew of other topics regarding you know what's happening in the world today and and these topics are not necessarily matters of scandals or controversy, right? The Pope Francis is issuing teachings, for instance, on, uh, you know, Laudato Si, right? Like when he spoke mm-hmm. about the environment, when Pope Francis spoke about Amoris Laetitia, um, you know, the, the, the love inside the family. Um, yeah. When uh, Pope Francis spoke about, you know, being the custodian of the tradition, um, um, for instance, uh, in every step of the way, uh, Archbishop Vigano gave an opinion that is a little bit opposite to Pope Francis' opinion opinion. Uh, but yeah. but at the end, we see Pope Francis issuing teachings, and then he's faced with reactions, issuing teachings, yeah. and faced with reactions. Why is this? What is unique about Pope Francis's teaching that he's raising these reactions around him? You know, I actually, this is a personal opinion, but I actually don't think there's anything very unique about it. Um, I think we live in a world that's very easily accessible with social media, and everyone feels the need to have an opinion. And he is Holy Father is our head, and we vow, you know, in, in, our, in a sense through our baptism, we remain obedient to the Holy Father. Do I like everything he says? No. You know, I don't, for example, I don't agree with what's happening with Tradiciones Custodes, as someone who loves the traditional Latin mass, but because the traditional Latin mass is being suppressed, will I leave the Catholic church? No, I will remain and remain obedient. Um, but I, I, I'm on, you know, of the opinion that I think we get ourselves very worked up for not much. Um, I, I, you know, I want to tend to agree with very you. Blunt and honest about it. I want to tend to agree with you, and I do agree with you on the principle of our obedience, on the principle of the teaching of our Holy Catholic Church. And, of course, we could probably accompany the teachings of the Holy Father with good uh, catechetical uh, explanations, I would say, to the people. Because the topics, Pope Francis, and and this is... um, a good Sunday morning with Father Andre towards its end on this holy Sunday morning with Mary Lise Pinheiro, speaking about the uh, work and the personalities of Pope uh, Francis and Archbishop Vigano a little bit. Um, um, I would say the issues Pope Francis took on are the most crucial 
and the most painful issues, the issue of poverty, the issue of environment, the issue of lack of social justice, the issue of divorce and uh, orientations inside the family, the issue of wars in Ukraine, as we see it. Pope Francis said, Third World War has started. The issue of famine, for instance, the issue of, um, like, he wanted to go to Canada for healing, to do a penitential visit for healing and reconciliation. He wanted to pursue the dialogue between Ukraine and Moscow to avoid the consequences of war. He's inviting international actors to lead in negotiations not to fuel war. And he wanted to go to Lebanon to save Lebanon from its existential crisis, where the people are losing livelihood and lives and financial, um, their banking system completely collapsed, no electricity. So we do see there is charismas around the Pope Francis, and uh, he is definitely the Pope of the end of society who's highlighting all the worries and the concerns of the neglected, the dejected, the weary, and those people who do not have voice otherwise. Last thought to you, um, Mary Lise, in, in this regard. Do you see Pope Francis's agenda succeeding? Is it making a ground amongst leaders of nations in the world? I want to say yes. I think he is uh, leaving quite an effect. Um, do I agree with everything? Probably not. But I do think specifically his, you know, everything you just said about wanting to help the poor and the marginalized is really leaving an imprint on the world and, and her leaders. Well, how about you, Ami? We pray um, at the end of this uh, show for the good health of all the church's leaders in the entire yeah. world, Catholic, and Orthodox, Protestants, Evangelicals. And to the Holy Father, so they yeah. all come and uh, be obedient to the will of God. Let us pray that every Christian family this morning, my friends, uh, uh, take a moment and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Remember, creation, life, and salvation is what we started with. Thanks for joining us today for Good Sunday Morning with Father Andre. Father Andre and his team rely on your prayers and generosity to help feed over 5,000 families in Lebanon every month. Go to missionofhopeandmercy.org to learn more. Your support helps buy supplies from local farms and factories, employ truckers to ship the food, all to let these families know they are not forgotten. Go to missionofhopeandmercy.org and donate today. And join us next week at 9.30 a.m. for Good Sunday Morning with Father Andre. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.